Ladies and gentlemen, recording from Los Angeles, California. Welcome to another edition of the one and only podcast known to the world as Sean Sports Stop, where Sean Tiplitsky gives his unique opinion on the biggest news stories in sports. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 253 of my podcast. It is Wednesday, April 3rd, 2019, and I'm recording from the usual spot of Los Angeles, California at about 4.30 p.m. Pacific time. Still working on getting that real, back to that real daily grind, like where I legitimately make and publish one episode a day, but it has been difficult. I'm not going to lie. I've been, I've been busy. That's, that, that's all there is to it with multiple things with school, with sports of my own, but I'm doing my best. I'm getting better. I'm not taking one week layoffs like I was pretty recently. And as legendary UFC ring announcer Bruce Buffer told you, I'm going to cover the biggest news in sports on today's episode. That includes Khabib Nurmagomedov believing that Conor McGregor is not actually retired. Giannis Antetokounmpo saying that he has no time for MVP drama. Ronald Acuna Jr. signing an eight-year extension with the Atlanta Braves. Malcolm Jenkins saying that CBA talks won't be as simple this time. Russell Wilson reportedly giving the Seattle Seahawks a contract deadline. The AAF suspending operations. The NBA uh, fining Stephen Curry, Kevin Durant, and Draymond Green. Lonzo Ball getting ready to sue, to sue Alan Foster. Stephen A. Smith signing a huge con- new contract with ESPN. John Morant declaring for the NBA draft. And Stephen Curry um, implementing eye contact into his game. So as you can tell, a lot of very interesting stuff, mostly basketball, on today's episode. A little MMA, a little NFL. That's how we like it. Uh, Every episode of my pod is available on every podcast platform that includes iTunes and Spotify. So for episode one through 252 and all the guest interview, you know, episodes, just check it out on any platform you like. Visit my website at seansportstop.com for access to all episodes through any platform to see which famous athletes I've interviewed, as well as a quick link to listen to that interview if you're interested. And you can read the articles that I've written under my blog. I really need to get on that too pretty soon as well. And uh, the best, if you enjoy the show, I mean, the best way to make sure that I keep doing it is just leave a five-star review on iTunes. Write a little note on why you enjoy the show. That's, that's going to give me the motivation to keep doing what I do. I mean, I, I'll do it regardless whether you do it or not because I love doing it. I, otherwise, I wouldn't be. But that just gives me that extra little bit of drive to go and do it. So without further ado... Let's get down to it, starting with the the beef between Khabib Nurmagomedov and Conor McGregor that never seems to die, ever, even though Khabib already smashed him. I love Khabib. I like Conor, too. I like him. I think his whole personality is mostly a character, but anyway. UFC lightweight champion Khabib Nurmagomedov is doubtful that Conor McGregor will remain retired from the sport. McGregor, as we all know by now, announced his retirement from MMA last week, but speaking at a university in Moscow... Nurmagomedov said on Tuesday that, quote, I don't think he's finished, per the Associated Press. The Russian added his belief that McGregor, quote, couldn't reach a deal with the UFC, and it's so they feel that they've lost him and they could lose money. Um, McGregor's in, in announcement in March came out of the blue. However, it's not the first time he made such an announcement. In April 2016, he declared his retirement from the UFC, having lost an ATS the month before. 
However, he fought twice more just in that year alone, beating welterweight Diaz in their August rematch before winning the lightweight title from Eddie Alvarez in November of 2016. His only UFC fights, UFC fight uh, since was his defeat to Khabib Nurmagomedov in October of last year. So that's that. I mean, I'm with Khabib. I don't think Conor McGregor is finished. I don't think it would be smart for him to be finished. He obviously has the money, but he is so marketable and he's so well known at this point that he could have some, uh, at least a few, at least a few more major, uh, major big money kind of fights. So now switching gears to the NBA. On the court, Giannis Antetokounmpo is dominating opponents, putting together an MVP caliber season. Off the court, the Greek freak is not interested in any off the drama in, in any of the drama that can infiltrate an NBA lifestyle and seep into the locker room. Quote, there's no reason for the drama, he told Frank Isola of TheAthletic.com. We're winning, everyone is playing well, there's no time for drama. It's not that the Milwaukee Bucks star can't appreciate a bit of drama, he just prefers when it doesn't involve him. He told Rachel Nichols, quote, I love the drama. Uh, he said he likes to watch American reality TV shows after games because it relaxes him. For the 24-year-old, winning is the thing, saying, quote, or... Buck co-owner Mark Lassery told I saw a quote, Giannis wants to win. We all want to win. He wants to be able to compete for a championship. As long as we stay competitive, I believe he'll stay here. In fact, other free agents will want to come to Milwaukee to play with Giannis. All Giannis wants is an opportunity to win. That's all. That's what we all want. The Bucks definitely have put themselves in a great position to do that. Is there 58 and 20 at the moment? Number one in the Eastern Conference and the best team in the NBA by three games ahead of the Golden State Warriors. And he's leading the way, putting up insane numbers with 27.5 points, 12.5 rebounds, 6 assists, 1.5 blocks, and almost 1.5 steals a game, while shooting 58% from the floor and 24.6% from three. So once he, get a three, once he gets a real jump shot and a three-point shot, he'll probably, in my opinion, be the get to a point where he's widely considered the best basketball player of all time. You know, putting Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kobe Bryant... Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bill Russell, all those guys in the rearview mirror. I think if Giannis gets a three-point shot, he'll be that guy. And I absolutely love his mentality, not want, um, not caring about the drama, just focusing on what he does on the on and off the court. Switching gears now to the MLB, the Atlanta Braves and outfielder Ronald Acuna Jr. agreed to an eight-year contract worth $100 million. Um, and this is an extension with club options for 2027 and 2028. He's in his only in his second MLB season. He was named the 2018 NL Rookie of the Year after hitting 293 with 26 home runs, 64 RBI, 78 runs scored, and 16 stolen bases in 111 games for the NL East champions. Through four games this season, he's hitting 214 with one homer, two RBIs, and a steal for the Braves, who are currently at 1-3 through four games. The extension buys out three years of arbitration from 2021 to 2023. He could be under contract with Atlanta through the 2028 season if they pick up the two club options. Um... For ESPN's Jeff Passan, the deal begins this season, and there's a $10 million buyout on two options worth $17 million each. Um, so this is a good move for everyone involved. Acuna gets paid. He gets quite a bit of money, you know, over $10 million a year. The Braves get to lock him up. He's, I think at some point, he's going to be worth a lot more than that, but, you know, the contract is still going to be in full effect. They might have to restructure it, but this is a solid move for everyone that's involved. So now transitioning to the NFL. With just two seasons left remaining under the current collective bargaining agreement, the NFL and NFL Players Association could be in for an extended negotiation when they start talking. Per ESPN.com's Tim McManus, Philadelphia Eagles player representative Malcolm Jenkins thinks the CBA talk could be more complex than they were in 2011, saying, quote, That's yet to be seen, but I've got a feeling it won't be as simple as it was last time just because you have more players like myself who have been through the lockout before, saw how the NFLPA leadership handled into what we are into." 
where we are now, which I don't think was a bad idea, but there's a lot that I but there's a lot that I feel like we want to get back as players or get as players. The current CBA expires after the 2020 season and rumblings about a potential work stoppage or like a strike are getting louder. NFLPA president Eric Winston Winston told reporters during Super Bowl week they have emphasized to players how essential it is to have quote financial literacy in the event of a strike or a lockout. Quote, I think every player will believe us when we tell them they're going to be locked out, Winston said. It's not clear what both sides will be hoping to get out of the next CBA. Writing for CBS Sports, former NFL agent Joel Corey suggested five changes, including a better revenue split, overhauling the rookie wage scale, and making language uniform for guaranteed money in contracts. New York Giants owner John Merritt told reporters last last week that talks with the union about a new CBA are expected to begin later this month. So there's still over two years until the contract ends, but they're already beginning to negotiate later this month because of how much they likely, how much they probably disagree and how much is at stake. Prior to striking a 10-year deal with the current CBA in 2011, the owners imposed a lockout that lasted four months from March 12th to July 25th, and they haven't had a work stoppage that resulted in games being canceled since the 24-day players' strike in 1987. So I don't think anybody involved wants there to be another strike, and I don't believe there will be one, to be honest. I think it'll be a lot simpler than Malcolm Jenkins is making it out to be. And we have more football to cover. If the Seattle Seahawks are going to give Russell Wilson a new contract this offseason, they will have to act quickly. Per Bob Condota of the Seattle Times, Wilson has set an April 15th deadline for the Seahawks to complete a deal. While less than two weeks remain before that date, Jay Keeps of 710 ESPN Seattle reported negotiations between Wilson and the Seahawks, quote, have started becoming more active as of late. Seahawks head coach Pete Carroll told reporters in January a new deal for Wilson is, quote, very much in our plans. He's entering the final season of a four-year $88 million deal he signed in 2015. His $17 million base salary in 2019 is tied with Ben Roethlisberger and Eli Manning for 12th among quarterbacks, according to Over the Cap. He was drafted 75th overall by Seattle in 2012. He established himself as one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. He's a five-time Pro Bowler and helped the Seahawks win the Super Bowl to cap the 2013 season. He's set a career-high 35 touchdown passes in 2018 with a 65.6 completion percentage, so he's obviously not on the decline. In fact, it could be argued that he's entering his prime now, having just set the touchdown record for the Seahawks. And if I'm the Seahawks, I want to lock this guy up. He's a great player, great quarterback, great person. I love everything about him, even though I'm a Rams fan. They got to lock him up. Now we have more football, but it is not the NFL. Eight weeks into its inaugural season, the Alliance of American Football has likely played their final game. The AAF sent an email to employees on Tuesday outlining outlining the decision which states the league's operations will be suspended immediately via NFL Network's Aditi King Bawala. Quote, Over the last year, we have been able to realize some amazing accomplishments. We launched a football league, a groundbreaking sports technology, and an APP, an app, excuse me, and established production and broadcast arrangements to air our current, to air our content on major networks. Together, we created some incredible moments for football and our fans. We are very proud of what we accomplished and appreciate the contributions each of you made during that process. Unfortunately, After careful consideration, the board has decided to suspend operations of the Alliance of American Football effective immediately. As part of this process, we expect to keep a small staff on hand to seek new investment capital and restructure our business. Should those efforts prove successful, we look forward to working with many of you on Season 2. As a follow-up to this communication, we will reach out to the personnel who will be involved in that continuation effort. For those employees whom we do not contact individually to discuss an ongoing role or, or alternative arrangements, your employment termination date is effective Wednesday, April 3rd, 2019, and you will be paid through this date. We are extraordinarily appreciated for all your efforts. Thank you again for your service. Mike Florio of Pro Football Talk and Darren Revelle of the Action Network first reported the news. 
Ravel noted that AAF owner Tom Dundon stands to lose $70 million and made the decision to suspend operations, quote, against wishes of league co-founders Charlie Ebersol and Bill Polian. Polian issued a statement about Dundon's decision via ESPN's.com Michael Rothstein, which reads, quote, I am extremely disappointed to learn Tom Dundon has decided to suspend all football operations of the Alliance of American Football. When Mr. Dundon took over, it was the belief of my co-founder Charlie Ebersol and myself that we would finish this season, pay our creditors, and make the necessary adjustments to move forward in a manner that made economic sense for all. The momentum generated by our players, coaches, and football staff had us well positioned for future success. Regrettably, we will not have that opportunity. Uh, They've been in financial trouble basically since the season started on February 9th. David Glenn of The Athletic reported on February 18th that Dundon, who owns the NHL's Carolina Hurricanes, was named the AAF's new chairman after making a $250 million investment to help the league get its finances in order. Dundon told reporters last week the NFL Players Association could help the league by allowing its players, notably those on practice squads, to play in the AAF. So I don't really understand. I thought this was um, this was a pretty cool idea. It, it could definitely definitely could have served as like a minor league system for the NFL, and we'll see if there will be a season two. But it's pretty unfortunate that this is happening. Now switching gears to the NBA. The NBA fined Draymond Green $35,000, Stephen Curry $25,000, and Kevin Durant $15,000 on Tuesday for their criticism of officials during Friday's loss at the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, referees Marat Kogut and Leon Wood drew out the ire of the Warriors bench for two calls that ultimately helped to give the Timberwolves a 131-130 overtime win. The first came with 4.4 seconds left in overtime when Kogut said Keita Bates Diop fouled Kevin Durant before he took a game-tying three. At first, KD appeared to set up a four-point play that could have won the game for Golden State. Quote, if you look at the play, Bates Diop lost me for a quick second, KD told reporters, and when I caught the ball, I knew they were going to foul, and I got it up quick, and he had two hands on me as I was going into my shot. Koga was the best player on the floor. He's so good with his whistle. He knew they were going to foul me before I shot the ball, so he's one of the greatest refs of all time. Pretty savage there from KD. Steph Curry knocked down a three on the Warriors' next possession to tie the game at 130, but another whistle then handed the game to Minnesota. Wood called KD for a touch foul on Carl Anthony Towns as the Wolves attempted to inbound the ball sending him to the line for game-winning free throws. Curry said, quote, It's just tough when your effort like that gets sabotaged for sure. I've been back there looking at looking at those calls over and over and over again and still don't understand either one of them. KD four-point play, which puts pressure on them with four seconds left to have to get a bucket. And at the end of the game, nobody wants to see a game end like that, a crazy pass that had no chance of being caught, and a soft foul that should never have been called to decide the game like that. Guys out there fighting their ass off to play and compete and win the game by playing basketball, so it's a tough way to go out. Curry called Kogut the, quote, MVP of tonight when asked which of the calls he found more egregious. Draymond's criticism was more subtle compared to KD and um, Steph, but the league slapped him with the biggest fine because, you know, he's the the biggest kind of guy. He's the biggest clown on the Warriors, biggest. He gets in the most trouble by far. The Warriors forward tweeted out the initials of Kogut and former ref Tim Donaghy, not so subtly, subtly implying the game was fixed. Um, so this is an unfortunate uh, situation for the Warriors, but they're still going to likely be the first number one team in the Western Conference. But it'd be interesting because Oklahoma City might finish eighth. So a po- possible Warriors versus Thunder first round matchup would be very, very intriguing. Now transi- transitioning to more NBA, Lonzo Ball has filed a lawsuit against Big Baller brand co-founder Alan Foster for allegedly using a, quote, fraudulent scheme to steal more than $1.5 million, according to TMZ Sports. The lawsuit also says Foster, quote, threatened to expose the Ball family with false information to the public after he was confronted about the missing money. Ball, as I covered, extensively severed ties with Foster following the feud per Ramona Shelburne of ESPN.com. 
Foster owns 16.3% of the company, but according to the lawsuit, the Ball family had no knowledge of the fact that he had gone to prison for his role in a separate financial uh, scheme. They now believe he only got close to the family to steal money once Lonzo made it to the NBA. LaVar said, quote, I've always believed in the best in people. Regretfully, I put my complete trust in Alan Foster to manage my son's business affairs. Um, at the end of the day, family comes first, and I support Zoe wholeheartedly. Together, we will make this right. And Lonzo appears to be distancing himself from the big baller brand even more. Having recently covered up a BBB tattoo on his arm, he got dice uh, over the BBB. Meanwhile, LaVar said the, quote, brand is good for TMZ Sports and proclaimed the shoe company will live on beyond the Foster situation. And honestly, that's the right that's the right move in my opinion. How how are you going to let some guy do do you like that take 1.5 million dollars from you essentially and you fold and you um you know Lavar this is this is clearly something he's very passionate about. You could argue that this is his dream uh at the moment for for a long time now. So it would be pretty messed up like if this if I was Lavar that would be that would be a very horrible feeling to know that a guy like Alan Foster just came in and stole 1.5 million, and then because of him doing something crappy like that, I'm gonna have to fold my own business. No, I mean, how how could you just let that happen? You should keep fighting and um, keep doing what you want to do. But as for Lonzo, I mean, he should sue Alan Foster. The guy essentially stole 1.5 million dollars from from Lonzo. So, I'm switching gears to uh, just general sports and media, sports media's uh, meme machine is about to become a money machine. Andrew Marchand of the New York Post reported ESPN personality Stephen A. Smith is, quote, in line for a contract extension that could pay him $10 million per year. That would make him ESPN's highest paid employee and give him the largest known salary of any personality in sports media. He's now 51 years old. He's in his second tenure at ESPN, and he rejoined the company on a full-time basis in 2012. Once the foil... Once the foil to Skip Bayless on first take, Smith remained the co-star of the show following Bayless's departure in 2016 and helped take it to new ratings, new ratings heights with Max Kellerman. He also contributes to ESPN's coverage of the NBA, boxing, UFC, and various other sports with consistent appearances on their flagship show, SportsCenter. I mean, I see him on pretty much every ESPN show, and um, this is this is well-deserved. I'm shocked that he's making this much money, but he's very good at what he does. He's very entertaining to watch. He's a very smart person, and I'm looking forward to seeing him more on ESPN. Now switching gears to more NBA, Murray State Racers guard John Morant will reportedly declare for the 2019 NBA draft. Shams Cherny of The Athletic uh, reported Morant will make his decision official at a press conference on Wednesday. He arrived at Murray State as an unranked recruit in the 2017 class uh, per 24-7 sports' composite rankings, but quickly shot up draft boards with his head-turning play. So he wasn't even a one-star recruit coming into Murray State, and now he, he might be the number two overall pick in the draft. He flashed his potential as a difference maker, but did not look like an NBA lottery pick as a freshman with 13.6 and a half rebounds and just over six assists a game. But, you know, this season he was extremely dominant for, for Murray State. Everyone knows who he is by now, and he's very fun to watch. So switching gears to NBA for some, this is pretty crazy what I'm about to cover. Golden State Warriors star Stephen Curry was in a bit of a shooting slump from February to early March, at least by his own lofty standards. But Curry has since hit at least five three-pointers in nine straight games, and during that time, He's hitting, he's hitting an absurd 48.7% from deep, almost 50% from the three-point line. So what changed? Well, he can see better now. Quote, I started wearing contacts, Curry told Marcus Thompson II of The Athletic. No, I'm serious. I had gotten, gotten so used to squinting for so long, he added. It was just normal. According to Thompson, Curry has always had issues with his eyes. Quote, he said he has a condition called um, chirodaconus, known in the ophthalmology field as KC. Technically, it's an eye disease in which the cornea, normally a circle, progressively thins and takes an, 
and takes on a cone shape. This distortion has given Curry what is known as an uh, astigmatism, which is a type of error in the way the light bends when entering the eye. It doesn't, dis it doesn't distribute the light equally to the retina and leads to blurred or distorted vision. So he was already the greatest shooter in NBA history, and he's had slight vision issues his entire career. That should tell you everything you need to know. I mean, Curry is on another level, and um, yeah. So now we are switching gears to the LA sports teams. I'm going to go in-depth on all the Los Angeles sports teams, starting with the Lakers. The last time I did an episode was midday April 1st, so exactly two days ago. Since then, uh, the Lakers, they, their only game was a 119-103 road loss to the Oklahoma City Thunder yesterday in which Russell Westbrook decided to casually mess around and have a 20-20-20 triple-double. He had 20 points, 21 assists, and 20 rebounds in 37 minutes played. Absolutely ridiculous. Jeremy Grant had 22 points. Paul George had 19-5-6. Terrence Ferguson and Dennis Schroeder both had 15 points themselves. For the Lakers, Moritz Wagner had 10 points and 4 rebounds. He should be getting more playing time, rightfully so. Mike Muscala shockingly had 10 points. He has been hot, flaming, bleep for the Lakers this season. Alex Caruso, who I believe should be re-signed, had 15 points and 7 assists. Reggie Bullock chipped in with 13 points. Kentavious Caldwell, Pope LeBron James's friend, had 23 points, 4 assists, and 5 rebounds. JaVale McGee almost flirted with a double-double, or he did flirt with a double-double with 10 points and 8 rebounds. And uh, Lance Stevenson had 9 points. The Lakers will look to get back in the win column as they take on the Golden State Warriors tomorrow at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time at home on TNT. I'm going to be... I don't, you know what? I'm not going to be watching that. I gave up on the Lakers for this season. The LA Clippers, though, let's see what they've been up to. Uh, they have not played since I last did an episode, but they do play tonight at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time against the Houston Rockets at home at Staples Center. The game's going to be on NBA TV. Let's see what the Dodgers have been up to. They've been playing some great baseball. I'm very happy with where they're at. Currently at 4-2 and two on the season. On April 1st, they lost 4-2 to the San Francisco Giants, another game where Joe Kelly blew the lead. If not for blown Joe Kelly leads, the Dodgers would be 6-0 on the season, but he blew two leads in which the Dodgers ended up losing, one against the Diamondbacks and one against the Giants. But the Dodgers bounced back with a 6-5 win over the Giants yesterday. Cody Bellinger had a grand slam. He took Madison Bumgarner to deep center. The Giants are now 2-4 while the Dodgers are 4-2. The Dodgers will look to win their second series of the season and end their homestand with a positive note. Trying to take two of three from the Giants tonight at 7.10 p.m. Pacific time. Let's see what the Angels have been up to. I believe they have been struggling. I don't follow them as much as I do my Dodgers. But yes, they have been struggling. On April 1st, they lost 6-3 to three to the Seattle Mariners in the series opener. And yesterday, they got um, swept technically in a two-game series, 2-1. Two to one. They will look to snap a four-game losing streak as they take on the Texas Rangers tomorrow at home at 7.07 p.m. Pacific time. Let's see what the LA Kings have been doing. So as you can tell, lots of LA sports now with the Dodgers back. Um, the Dodgers and Angels playing again. And the LA Galaxy and LAFC. So on April 1st, the Calgary Flames casually destroyed the LA Kings 7-2 in Los Angeles. Um, Michael, no, let's see. Dustin Brown and Kyle Clifford scored the goals for the Kings. But yesterday, the Kings bounced back with a 3-1 home win over the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, so good win for the Kings. Kyle Clifford scored again, and then Drew Doughty and Trevor Lewis each scored. The Kings are now 30-41-9 on the season, and they will look to make it two games in a row as they take on the Anaheim Ducks this Friday, April 5th at 7 p.m. Pacific time on the road. Speaking of the Anaheim Ducks, let's check out what they're doing. Um, they probably played since the last time I did an episode. Let's see. Uh, no, they did not, but they do play tonight at 7.30 p.m. Pacific time at home against the Calgary Flames. 
So, ladies and gentlemen, this is all we have for episode number 253 of Sean's Sports Stop. Thank you guys so much for listening. And as always, I'll see you guys on the next one.